Okay, folks, well, hello and welcome to another episode of The Boardroom. And for today, we are going to be interviewing the wonderful Miss Catherine Kennedy. She is an entertainment director, um, and we're going to be exploring the life of an entertainment director and, of course, how, how Kat personally came to work at sea. Kat, how are you doing? You well? I'm very good. Yeah, very good. You have chosen the hottest day of the year to do this I, little I have phone indeed. call, but, I'm... Uh, but no, I'm very excited. Yes, it's been the hottest day of the year. I've actually been quite lucky in the fact of because it's so hot and because obviously the microphone manages to pick up everything I've had to turn off the fan so I'm literally just smeltering at the moment it's not a particularly enjoyable environment but still sitting next to an open window um yeah I, I've done that but the last time I did that with a podcast Chris um who lives up in Birmingham managed to have um I don't know why that's pertinent to the story but um <laughs> police sirens drove past outside the window whilst he was midway through his conversation um but well, that's... I live very, very deep in the countryside. I'm mid-country, so the chances of a police siren, unless I've done something really <laughs> wrong, really, really they would have to wrong. be coming to my house in order exactly. for them to drive past. <laughs> exactly. So hopefully we won't have such problems. But yes, anyway. So um, this uh, the, these sort of series of podcasts, this one's basically going to be just on, um, just a little bit more about yourself and about the role of an entertainment director and working at sea. Um, so... I think we'll just start off right at the basics. So how long how long have you been working at C4? Oh, too long, Mike. Too, too long. long. <laughs> um, I, well, I technically started working at C 10 years ago. It, in fact, I saw on Facebook last week that I'd written my first ever I'm joining a ship tomorrow status. So it really? is almost exactly 10 years ago. Okay. But the first three years I was in the youth department. So I was in quite a different role. Um, and I was doing it seasonally, so I was at university at the same time. So I was studying for a degree uh, in Leeds, and then mm -hmm. every Christmas holiday, summer holiday, Easter holiday, I was popping down to Southampton, jumping on board a ship, and looking after some kids, having a great time, and paying my way through university. That's not a bad way to do it. Sort of pay, get yeah. paid to see the world. I think that's pretty much why most of us do the job in the first place. Well, exactly. Place, to be honest. So I guess technically ten years, but full time seven years. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, but that still counts technically 10 years. I mean, yeah. most other departments, you have to just take the leap and go into a six-month contract, but the option to go in for like four weeks at a time is always quite nice. No, it's, it was fantastic. It's a great way to break it in and see whether you like the lifestyle or not as well. So so what originally made you decide to spend your spend your free time that way at sea? Was it just the, the loan thing or was it like... Well, I've got ships in my blood, really. So mm. my mum and dad both worked at sea. They right. met at sea. So if it wasn't for the cruising industry, I would never have existed. <laughs> so they, you li um, literally conceived on board sort of thing. <laughs> well, I <laughs> I don't like to think about that, but, you know, no, I, I don't think so. They they both left sea before I was born. They they left sea before they got married. They Dad left first. His role sort of ceased to exist because he looked after all the money on board and then when the ships went from having paper money to not really like using a lot of actual cash, his role went shoreside. So he started working in the office. Um, and then he said, no, I mean, if, if I can't work at sea anymore, then to my mum, you're sure as hell not going to. <laughs> so, so he was pretty clear that either um, either they both left sea or their relationship wouldn't continue. So, um, so she left sea as well. She, well, at the time they called it Chili Ho, so which was children's hostess, but now it's oh, the equivalent of a youth manager. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it's very different when she was there to how it is now. I mean, yeah. these days, you know, it's sort of huge teams looking after swarms of children, but when she was at sea, there was her and, and one assistant, and they'd sort of just run the okay. department, and people came and go as they wanted, and I think they had 
pretty much a great time to be honest. I was gonna say that's that's still that's a lot of work though for. I suppose was there as many kids on on board at those times? I, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think there were quite as many kids, and also obviously the ships were just so much smaller in those days mm. as well. I mean, the, yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Ships are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but also, you know, there wasn't any of the the regulations and the safeguarding policies in those days as you have these days, which is an incredible thing that they've brought in, of course, absolutely needed. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but I think at the time, it, it wasn't such a predominant thing in people's minds, really. Mm. Yeah. So that was, so you just decided to, it, because it was in your blood, that was it, that you were going to, it was, yeah, des- well, it was destiny. Yeah, well, it was kind of destiny. My brother went to sea first. So so because they had met at sea, we, when we were kids, we cruised a lot. It was always our go-to summer holiday. Mm. Um, and my brother's 18 months older than me. And whereas I would spend the summer holidays in the youth club, having a great time and meeting friends, he'd mm. like, just be strolling around promenade deck watching all the lifeboats <laughs> going up and down and right. seeing if he could find a deck officer to talk to literally i think he wants to be a binman for about six months when he was three and then he had a good <laughs> few years wanted to be a farmer but i think from about the age of five or six he he wants to be a deck officer on ships and he that was it. that was it he never yeah he never swayed from it never varied so he became a cadet when he was 18 and then he went to sea and there was like 16 year old me thinking Oh, well, that's not fair. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, <wouldn't> do that. <laughs> I did the typical gap year between college and university when I finished my A-levels. So you were working for a ship shoreside? Yeah, so so in my gap year, I got a job, just a sort of temp job to raise mm. money because I was going travelling with some friends. Um, entirely non-ship related, the travelling, but I started working for a, a cruise company doing admin just really basic stuff and because i was on their email system they sent out a, sh- uh, a email to all of the employees saying that they needed seasonal youth staff during the summer holidays because obviously they have so many yeah. more kids they need so many more youth staff on board um and i was also working in school at the same time i was a non-teaching assistant and i was running their after school club so i said well i've got this experience i've got these qualifications I'd really like to apply um, for the summer holidays, literally thinking that it was going to be six weeks and I'd have a great time and that would be the end of it. So I joined my first ship um, and I just, I mean, I already knew that I loved crazy, but I just fell in love with working on ships. I just couldn't get enough of it. And then the whole way I was at university every summer holiday, every Christmas holiday, every Easter holiday, any sort of half term, any time I could, I'd go to sea. And then I did that until I graduated in 2013 and then applied full time. And my degree was in theatre and performance. Mm. And while I was a youthy, I was looking at all of the things that the entertainment host would do. And I was thinking, yeah, I could do that. (laughs) That looks like fun. And obviously there's just more career progression in Mm. the entertainment department. Um, So I applied, I applied to be uh, well, they called it crew staff at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I got put on a ship and I had a great time. And I, honestly, I, I, okay, well, I went to sea for six weeks to begin with. I went to sea for six weeks and I just forgot to leave. And now 10 years later, it is I amazing. still think. <laughs> every single person that I've spoken to, obviously we did the first day podcast not long ago, but every single person that I've spoken to has said, oh yeah, it was just going to be a one contract thing. We were going to go for a couple of weeks. Obviously Chris Thomas as well, who we were speaking to before, he was also a seasonal youthy to start off with and that was his plan. And he how also they get you. That's how they get you. 
and they also has not left it. It just seems like a very common thing that it's always a, well, go and try it sort of thing. But then when you fall in love with it, it is something that is really, really difficult to put down. I, really I keep is. thinking, I still think I'm going to get myself an adult job. I'm going to get myself a grown-up <laughs> job, a land life. <laughs> yeah. But it's addictive. I think, it you is. know, it's the kind of thing where you, you go to see and you know within 24 hours whether yeah. you're going to love it or you hate it. And it's not for everyone. And if you not don't like right. it to begin with, you're not going to learn to love it. No. But if you do love it to begin with, I think it's very difficult to fall out of love with it. It, it, it really is. Trust me. I mean, as I said, because I, I had a nine-year break, so... So the year that you joined, I probably left for nine years and then we came switched. back. Sort of thing. Yeah. So I sort of worked on them for two or three years. And then uh, obviously I had, had an accident. I sort of left. And I, it was always in the back of my mind. I just, I, but then as soon as I got back on board again, I was just so, so happy. Just, Coming it, home. Yeah, it is exactly how it felt. Like. And as I said before, as we said before, it's uh, the smell of the ship as well. I was like... Okay. Yeah. Yes. Really it is weird, every but... time you walk up the gangway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is. It's such okay. a distinctive like Yeah. We're back. But every single ship is different and for that particular yeah. one just really really stuck with me. Um so when you decided to become Ent staff first for uh, full time. So Yeah. Was Ent director then on the cards? Is that where you No, were, I mean or... absolutely not. Honestly, I I would look at what well, that was cruise director at the time I would look at what the cruise director was doing it terrified me and I, and I <laughs> just thought to myself well it's not don't be terrified about it because you're never going to get there so it, it doesn't matter it's not it's not a thing mm. um, and I, I never even thought I'd go to assistant cruise director or, or work my way up the ranks at all um, and I I thought, well, it's fine. I'm just going to have a good time. I'll do some quizzes. I'll do some bingo. Um, I'll live a, a great life, see the world. And then I, I honestly hadn't thought about moving through the ranks. And then I was on a ship and one of the entertainment directors called me into their office and said, look, um, there is a, an assistant entertainment director role become available. And I really want to, I've been watching you and I really want to put you forward for it. Mm. And I thought, well, you might as well give it a go see what happens um and then i guess it's, it's like with anything the more you do the more responsibility you take you just do it in little chunks at a time mm. and then that becomes normal to you and then you take on a little bit more and that becomes normal to you and then as assistant cruise director i mean the big thing obviously you know when yeah. you're watching the entertainment directors the the scariest thing is going on stage every evening like it's it's got to be going out and hosting I the shows. everything else that you do that well, what bit, do you I think that bit thing? that bit i really enjoyed that bit the was hosting. the bit like because when you i get a real buzz from it like i it does make my stomach go and stuff like that but the buzz that i get from whenever i'm I hosting that. something that's the buzz i love but that wasn't the bit i was afraid of the bit that uh, is and because i can see that i can see that's what someone has to do but it's the um the other stuff, the bit I the can't people. see. Well, no, the, just the managing it, the paperwork yeah. side of things. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with doing stuff that I can see, but if I can't see it, then I'm scared of it a little bit. Nah, I don't want to see, Michael, I've always wrong. been a geek. I've always really? been an absolute <laughs> yeah. geek. Yeah, I used to get stationery for Christmas. Like, I can I can do paperwork <laughs> until the cows come out. My go-to game when I was a little girl was pretending I worked in an office. I, I really? <laughs> 
I am not cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something to be proud of, but the paperwork side of things, I, like, I always yeah. knew that I'd be able to handle. But uh, so it's like you were saying, you know, when you get that buzz from hosting things, yeah. and honestly, I really miss that. I miss and I that. get it probably um, the, when I go back to sea, I the first maybe three or four shows I host that yeah. contract, I'll still get the, the, that sort of nervous anticipation and I'll still get that excitement coming off stage. But the more you do it, the more you just get so sort of blase is not a great word but you just you feel comfortable with things yeah. the, the more you start to feel comfortable with things the less they excite you i think yeah um but you know there are still things that i do at work where i get really excited about it and and sort of interviewing people interviewing celebrities and stuff where you have less control over it if you don't really know mm. how people are going to respond to you or what they're going to say then you're on your toes a little bit more and i, I always find that quite exciting and, and quite invigorating um, but no, I mean, it, it was, I mean, for me, definitely very, very much. It was walking out on stage that would terrify me. And, but you just bite the bullet and you just do it. And, um, and the more you do it, as I say, the easier it gets. So no, when I was a baby ants host looking at the cruise director, I thought I'd never in a million years would I want or be able to do that job, but <laughs> you grow up, don't you? Yes. Well, you get older and grayer <laughs> and not quite so wise. I, I had, I had, an, I worked for nine years off away from sea then had a relapse and then ungrew up and went back to sea again as an end staff so i'll have to take your word not for calling it you now. peter pan exactly that is unfortunately not not quite to the same degree as as a social host that um works on board <laughs> however we're not going to sea is like going to neverland but instead really of coming is. home afterwards looking the same you come home looking 20 years old you really do. <laughs> oh but it's it's a lot it's a lot of but eventually you got there you got to becoming the entertainment's director did you um did you struggle with, like the dynamic between because uh, obviously there's some long serving people and and there's obviously some people that come and go but did you struggle going from being a crew member to where you can sort of have that foot of fun to becoming to becoming a manager and I suppose I mean the AED gives you a little bit of a a stepping stone between the two before you can sort of do that but it's it's still not an easy step especially with such a close-knit team of people yeah I think um the key for me really is the people that I was working with and they've nobody's ever made it an issue for me mm. and it's always been a lot of fun I think it's natural that sort of you know you, you don't go out quite as much you don't go ashore quite as much you, you don't spend so much time with your friends but because you have so much more to do yeah with great Power comes great responsibility. <laughs> did, you, did, did you just quote Uncle Ben? It most very wise. He's a very wise man. He um, have a whole no. franchise off the back of that saying. But anyway. I think the first time, the first time I sailed as assistant entertainment director, I was worried because I moved through the ranks very quickly and there was a certain element of hard work. There was a certain element of being in the right place at the right time and sort of having great support and great backing behind me. Um, but a lot of the people that I was working with when I was assistant and statement director, obviously you've just been pals with and they've been your colleagues and now suddenly you're managing them. And it, it's a lot and it's really reliant on how you treat them but it's also really reliant on how they treat you and if they have the respect for you that they believe you should be in that position it makes everything so much easier yeah and I've also really believed that you have to work with people and work with people's strengths so although for a long time now I've been in a managerial position I'll always ask advice from people in my team I'll always know people's strengths and and figure out 
what other people can do maybe even better than I can do it um, and go to them for that. And But at the end of the day, I'm the one that's got to make the decisions and I'm the one whose head's on the chopping block if anything goes wrong. So although I take opinions from lots and lots of people, you know, at the end of the day, I've got to justify the actions that I make. So I'll be the one that, that makes the, the decision at the end of the day. But nobody's ever, <laughs> even when I moved up to be entertainment director, then I was managing assistant entertainment directors who would manage me when I was an entertainment host. Yeah. So sort of, I, I went from them doing my appraisals to me doing their appraisals, <laughs> which is weird. But I think, you know, that, that especially at sea, there is a, a clear hierarchy and, and people respect that, really. And that, it, that does it's make things a lot fine. easier. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I, that is one of the things that I really did miss from, obviously, I was a waiter, first of all, then I went back to land and working restaurants and stuff. And, that, and not having that hierarchy that everyone blindly follows on ships which mm. is really mm. really helpful in getting things done it sounds a little yeah, bit absolutely. Sort of strange it but sounds archaic it, it sounds does. so archaic and it sounds it so old-fashioned and things like you know i think a lot of my friends that have nothing to do with cruising can't believe that i would never call the captain by his or her name you know no, I, not at all. I would only ever call them captain or chief engineer would only be called chief yeah. Um, and there are areas that people can eat depending on what your rank is or where you can drink depending on what your rank yeah. is. And my friends think that's appalling and archaic, but it's it's just the system and it it makes it works and it, it makes work. the ships run. It's and having amazing. started yeah. at the bottom now, I, th I guess it's a bit like hazing, you know, <laughs> if you become part of a society <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But having started at the bottom and sharing a cabin and sharing a bathroom and eating in the crew mess and working my way up, sort of you mm. you learn that respect for the system yeah i mean i think that's also also part of the reason why most managers if not all of managers basically have always started from the bottom that are in most of those positions they very yeah. rarely that they hire in an outside manager just for example so you've been a hotel manager on land the chances of you getting a hotel manager at sea at, at so so much harder in, in that respect it doesn't tend to happen does it, it doesn't really? really you sort yeah. of it's it's something that you earn and, and move up to but um yeah but yeah so um when you finally became entertainment director obviously you moved up sort of quite quickly was there a, did you have a role model or someone to help you along the way sort of thing to uh, like maybe not yeah. with the paperwork thing which you seem to smash out of the park <laughs> but, with the, <laughs> but with, with the other stuff so with the hosting was there someone there that sort of made oh, things easier for you was it a group of I people I had the two most gorgeous entertainment directors in the entire world <laughs> that, who are still my absolute best friends to this day and I love them both to pieces and one of them I mean they both taught me so much in such different ways so one of them I'm basically living her life seven years later. So she is, she's seven years older than me. She joined ships the same time as me. She became entertainment director pretty much the same age. We were pretty much the same age. I was slightly younger. We started working on the flagship pretty much the same age. I was slightly younger. And I was her assistant for a long time. Yeah. And, and she taught me so much. And I really emulated her for a while. And I would go on stage. I'd find myself saying things that she would say and and behaving the way that she would mm. behave, which in some respects is great because she's fantastic. And, you know, it's great to have a, a role model to emulate, but also it's so important with stagecraft to find your own way of doing Completely. things. Um, and then there was another guy who was not at all like me. He's a much older man that I just absolutely adore. And he 
I mean, I would call him my mentor, really. And he was the one that really took me under his wing. And when I was a baby, baby Ents host, he called me into his office and he said, Kat, I can see something in you and I'm going to turn you into me. And he did. And he worked yeah. so hard with me and he made sure that, that I was the best I could be. Um, and they've, they've both come, they, they approach things from such different ways. Their hosting styles are so different. But he taught me how to relax it a little bit and try and figure out my own way of being on stage and my yeah. own way of doing things. And um, you know, I, I'm so grateful to both of them because I not only figured out stagecraft and, and how to be comfortable and how to, to make my own way on the stage, but in terms of managing a department and also just having friends for life, really. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's no way I would be where I am today without either of them. I mean, I think I believe I've I've undergone a couple of the stage class uh, classes um, <laughs> with with the older gentleman myself, and he is he's excellent at teaching technique. I mean, that's the if you look at the people that he has trained and taught and stuff as well about what to. Every single person is different, but the technique is always the same. There, I mean, we've always got something to go back on. He's he, he's really really good at that. And it is, no, it's fantastic. It's, it's good to you can see who has been trained by him by yeah. the technique but their individual personalities always come through more and more which is always always good to sort of see the other thing that, that they would do both of them really is everything that that they were doing anything that they were planning any reports that they were writing they'd always ask for my opinion on it and we would do things together so i would spend a lot of time in their offices and and i was sort of trained by helping them with what they were doing so when it came to me doing it myself i already knew a lot mm. of the work a that that you had to do in terms of the paperwork side of things but but the way they approach things and the way i approach things now are very very similar because we spent so many years doing it together yeah. and that's one thing that i really try and do now that i am entertainment director is if i'm making a plan for a voyage if i'm writing my end of voyage report i'll always call the assistant entertainment director in and i'll always talk them through my thought processes with what i'm doing ask their opinions on it and make sure that we're on the same page with it because then when they have the opportunity to step up or go for an interview they can say i've worked with cat on this 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 and this and we've yeah. done all of it together so it, it makes it so much easier to take it on board you're sort of just strip feeding it gradually which has been so helpful for me it makes yeah. it a lot less daunting your first day in that big chair yeah no it, i mean that's i mean it's always good to try and pick up things from the job above you because it, 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 as you said it just makes that next step up, that little bit easier. If you can do a third of it, then learning the other two thirds just becomes sort of. And I can always tell. Off. I can always tell the the ENTS host, the the social host, the uh, assistant entertainment directors. Th I can always tell the ones that come into my office that ask to do things with me, that ask to go through things with me, or or will ask me to check up on what they're doing and ask for my opinion on things. Mm. You know, it, it it's really telling if someone's got a drive to progress and if someone doesn't. Yeah. Um. So. Basically, with uh, being entertainment director, obviously, we've got lots of uh, big things we have to look after, like uh, Christmas, New Year, and many other big events as well, like um, with the World Voyage, all of the events that go along with that. Uh, what is your favourite um, event or favourite time of year um, when working as an entertainment director? Mm. Yeah, I mean, Christmas is wonderful. I, I like I... Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas. So do I. I really wherever do. I am, oh, <laughs> I am the, the biggest child when it comes to Christmas. So, although Christmas at home is delightful, there is something unbelievably magical about Christmas at sea. The way the ships are decorated, the way everyone is so jolly all the time. I just, 
it, nice. it's a double-edged sword Christmas because it's a huge responsibility. Christmas happens, as we all know, once, <laughs> once a year. A year. <laughs> and for most people in their lives, it's such a precious time and people get so little time off work these days. To choose to come on a cruise and to choose to give their Christmases to us, to entrust us to make their Christmas the best it can yeah. be, is a huge responsibility. It is. Um, but when it goes right, and touch wood so far, it's never gone wrong, <laughs> it, it is absolutely the most magical mm. thing in the world. No, I, I, so yeah, I, I think Christmas, Halloween that. is great. Halloween is always Halloween's a, lot of fun a good laugh. Trips. Halloween's a good laugh. I yeah, do, I do like that. But I mean, for me, it's um, the one job that I really enjoyed doing was uh, Carol's in um in sort of like yeah. the main lobby area yeah i really enjoy carols in the main lobby i mean um uh, myself i used to come and tommy, watch your carols in the main did, lobby i did them with tommy this year they were a lot of fun with me and tommy. it was actually really good fun um yeah that was i don't know it's just one of those things especially when uh well i, I don't want to give too much away because it would give away the ship quite easily if i describe <laughs> my the office is just happened. off the main lobby i know yeah. the ship i know exactly the ship that you're yeah referring to. exactly my office is just off the main lobby and um and if there was any sort of singing going on in the lobby i could always hear it and whenever the christmas carol started i'd always just like pop the door open yeah. a little bit pop it's... my santa hat on and I lurk just... in the corridor i love i love doing those christmas carols because there's no way unless of course you've seen the american version of oh my goodness me oh no 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 if no 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 I think yeah. it is. I think there's, there's also, isn't it? Is it in O Come All Ye Faithful? Or there's one Christmas yeah. Carol where you can't sing, sing the, the last verse until yeah. Christmas morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I figured out the hard way when I got yelled at. For yeah. I it. think the first time, the first time this year when Tommy and I did it, we literally he looked at me as it was approaching, and we both just sort of stood there, like signalling <laughs> no, everyone to stop, no. stop, stop. That's it. Uh, but you have yeah. To make, yeah, no, you have to make sure the pianist knows which version of the songs <laughs> you're playing as well. But, I mean, they start playing as one and you start singing a different tune to it. Aside from well. those two things, there's not much else that can go wrong with it. And the feeling in the room, the guests will absolutely love it. They love doing the oh, songs like, and stuff. There's so only, jolly. There's always a couple Who of things that people ask sing along. Rest, but they love it. It's such a nice feeling, I have to say. It's definitely one of my favourite times sort of thing. Um, mm. So... The start of the world voyage is always fantastic. You know, that yeah. leaving Southampton that first night was fireworks and there's sort of always that great feeling of anticipation and, mm. and knowing that you've got a group of guests that you're going to get to know so well over Will the next we get four rounds? months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, limping around the world. <laughs> no, that, no, that, um, no. First feeling, that first day is awesome, though. Such a yeah. good feeling. Yeah, no, it is fantastic. I, I mean, I just love it. Any day, really. Any day, Any day is fine Any for me. Any day you think of. Um, yeah, sometimes... The best days that you spend at sea are the most unexpected ones and that it's not like any particular holiday or, mm. or event and they just turn into some incredible days, really. Mm. You never know what's going to happen. Indeed. Um, so, also, as uh, so back to being entertainment director again, um, your uh, interviews sort of thing, obviously, it's something that you mm. get to do quite a lot. Is there, is there any interview that you found particularly daunting or was there anyone that was particularly enjoyable, for example? Oh, my first one that I did. My first one that I did because our shoreside boss was on board and I had done my um, entertainment director interview and was waiting for the results of it. But I was sailing as entertainment director at the time. I sort of was on like a, a trial contract. So I, I'd been into the office, been put on a ship, but was waiting for the official results. And, and our shoreside boss, the head of the entertainment for the whole company came on board 
to basically watch me for four days and w- watch what I was doing. And within those four days, we had Kathleen Turner on board. I don't know, oh. you're, you're definitely, she was Chandler's dad in Friends. Oh. She's an American ac- actress, really well known for a very, very low voice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, an absolute sweetheart, um, but uh, such a huge personality. And I knew that the theater would be absolutely packed. We had a lot of Americans on board. She's a lot more well-known in America than she is in the UK. Um, and there was a huge hubbub surrounding her. Everyone on the ship was so excited. And I knew that, that it was going to be absolutely packed. And of course, this guy just watching me, literally on board <laughs> to watch me. Um, so it, that was absolutely terrified. I was so daunted about mm. that. But um, But it was... Emma was great. We had a lot of fun. She was very easy to interview. Um, And I think I'm always slightly daunted. As I said at the beginning, I'm always slightly daunted with interviews because you don't know what they're going to say. So I've had people turn around and swear before and I've had people turn around and say some quite outrageous things, really. And and you have to think on your feet and sort of figure out how to turn it around without offending the person that you're Mm. talking to on stage, without getting any members of the audience offended. Um, so, so it's always daunting to talk mm. to anyone. You you relax a bit more if you're interviewing people that you've already interviewed. So Claire Balding, for example, comes yeah. on the ship quite regularly, and I know having interviewed her the first time, and she was an absolute dream. I know she loves cruising. I know she loves the company. She is always out and about with her wife Alice. They're both absolutely delightful, and they spend all day every day yeah. doing things on the ship, joining in with all of the activities. And our conversation starts off trying to be about Claire. And I know she's always just going to try and turn it around to how much she <laughs> loves cruising and how much she loves whatever's going on on the ship. So, I mean, she's a great advocate for the company and, and also just such a delightful woman to talk to. Um, mm. I've, you know, there, Sir Michael Parkinson, what, what a huge man. I mean, how even do you talk to someone that's talked to so many other people? I, I, um, I, I, I was I was nervous about interviewing you because obviously I, I, have, I am also I have and do great, great you. person. And this isn't normally something that I do. So I can only imagine how interviewing Sir Michael Parkinson must have been. That must have been... Well, I think, I think the thing is, if what I found with interviews and I'm sure you're finding this the more podcasts that you do as well, is, it is, I mean, I guess it's slightly easier for you because you know the people that you're interviewing very well, yeah, but I do, yeah. you just have to do so much preparation mm. and just make sure that you know what they're doing at the moment, what they have done in the past, have a huge number of questions. And then of course, also, the best thing about the interviews that I do is they're live on stage. So you have the exactly. audience there in front of you. And, and you can react with them. And so I generally, I have always enough questions to cover a 45 minute interview. Yeah. Um, but generally I only end up doing about 15 minutes and then I leave it to questions from the audience. But I, there have been times when I've sat down on stage to interview somebody and I've asked four or five questions, opened it up to the audience and not a single person's put their hand in the air. And I've had to sort of carry, right. <laughs> carry an interview by myself on stage for 45 minutes. And yeah. at the beginning I sort of would prepare for maybe a 30 minute interview. And then I found out very yeah. quickly that sometimes you prepare for an hour interview and you end up asking one question. Sometimes mm. you really need all, all that whole hour's worth of questions. Yeah, but, so there's but one... proper preparation and proper research that like you can't skimp on research when you're interviewing no. people because you, it's embarrassing and you make yourself look like an idiot yeah i mean the, i mean i am hoping to ask um 
Mike Doyle if he'll do one of these as well um, eventually if I possibly Doily. can do however Doily. the first I love time this. I interviewed Mike Doyle just for, just for I had of... no idea what to expect yeah no you just, go, just go, to go. let just to let people know that sort of aren't really sort of aware Mike Doyle is um, he's a guest entertainer that comes on and he is um, excellent his his routine his act gets rave reviews from everyone um, and around the cruise ship circuit he is he's very very well known and um, occasionally he'll uh, indulge us in doing a Q&A sort of thing won't he which is mainly more A than Q uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no I'll, I'll let you tell him what it's like to interview this man because it's uh... you just never know what's going to come out of his mouth <laughs> he is so funny but um I, whenever he's on board, he always keeps me up until stupid o'clock in the morning because we just natter. Mm. Like, you, with the guest entertainers, you get to be such great friends with them, but you see them so rarely because obviously they do so many different cruise lines. Um, so whenever he comes on board, I, I absolutely adore the man. And we always stay up until stupid o'clock in the morning talking. And then and then go and do an interview the next day. So we're <laughs> sitting on stage absolutely shattered. Yeah. And, um, I'll ask him a question. I mean, something that you really don't think could lead on to a mammoth answer, and <laughs> and then I can I literally could just put my microphone down and walk off stage because <laughs> he will talk. I the first time the first time we'd completed so we set aside forty five minutes for mm. generally for Q and As, and we'd completed forty five minutes, and I had asked him the first question. I literally covered one question. So whenever <laughs> I schedule, and and luckily I I had heard his reputation and how he how mm. he chats. So I had scheduled him. I think I set aside an hour and a half or something in the theatre for that time, including the time it would take to reset the theatre before the next activity started. Yeah. It was a very very quick turnaround <laughs> that day. And I think from then on, I I never scheduled anything after him for hours in the theatre <laughs> because. Uh, Sometimes I will stop an interview if I can feel the audience getting restless or if mm. I can feel sort of that they're not super involved or all that it's run its course, then yeah. I'll never sort of be afraid to, to wrap it up and let people go on their way. But with Mike, I honestly think that he could hold them in the theatre for a day, mm. <laughs> at least three hours. And every now and again, almost as a joke, I'll say, you know, is, is, is everyone OK? Do we yeah, need like exactly. a toilet break? <laughs> Are we good? And they'll all say, no, 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 carry on, carry on, yeah. carry on. Because he just he doesn't sit down. Normally, no. when I interview people, we're, we're sat on stage and we're having a chat. I'll ask him a question, and he'll get up and he'll be wandering all over the place. But the audience will be in hysterics, and they always say that they like it more than his actual show as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you the, really the, get to find out more about his personality. He does it everywhere, though. You can be ho hosting a quiz in the pub, and he's holding court by the dartboard somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And all of a sudden, absolutely. you're being upstaged by a bloke playing darts. It's really infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> But, but this is the other thing that, that you really have to remember as an entertainment director. And it's very interesting that you say about being upstage, but I think where a lot of people go wrong um, is is trying to make themselves the star. Oh, yeah. And no, you absolutely have to have a personality. Don't get me wrong. You do have to have a personality. And, and you need to be a bit cheeky when you're interviewing people sort of, you know, to get those fun yeah. one-liners out of people. Oh, definitely. But it is not about you. No. And you don't need to go on stage and, and make everyone laugh and be the star of the show. And if you can, then that's fantastic. But not not everyone is like that. But you are there to make the entertainer shine and to make the entertainer the star of the show. So um, you have to, although you are going on stage every night, it's very important for an entertainment director that you don't have a huge ego because you work with a lot of people mm. that do. 
<laughs> you ended that sentence very quickly, Luckily, very professionally. Luckily, not well one done. of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, Going um, is a delight, though, an absolute delight. Yes, but no, I mean, if you um, but I sort of know what you mean. Do, but also, accidentally, it can happen for cruise directors that are or entertainment directors, sorry, that are too good. Like, there's ones that can come on, have two or three line jokes at the very beginning, and upstage the comedian that's about to come on. Yeah, like, I've if, seen that many a time. Is, which is not... <laughs> you don't want not, to be funnier than the comedian. You don't, no, you don't want to be funnier than the <laughs> Well, comedian. you might for your own personal benefit, <laughs> but it's not going to make your the, the people that you're hiring to work on your ship look very good. No, it? you can't exactly walk off going, biggest laugh of the night, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed that, mic drop. <laughs> Let's just quit the show now. Exactly. Let's quit while we're <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, but yeah, it is quite a difficult thing to do, especially when sort of that sort of environment, that sort of entertainer, sort of like, they, we all like being on. A lot of people like being on stage, sort of thing, and that's mm. why they do it. And having that self confidence can over give you too much confidence. And, and yeah, and as you say, you don't have to worry about it being about you. It's, it is about the people that you're introducing. Um, Sometimes the ends start. are hard at the beginning. Yeah you can just be so enthusiastic oh, yeah. and effusive about whoever's coming on board um on the stage but then when you get to the end of the show if they've been really bad yeah. Uh, yeah. it's always an awkward well weren't they yeah Here. exactly <laughs> <laughs> they, they turned up well done yeah let's yeah, just move on very quickly and tomorrow night <laughs> You'll well, enjoy tomorrow night's act, I promise. On the positive side of things, the show did start on time and, uh, <laughs> and it ended on time. Well, we time. had a show tonight, so uh, <laughs> go and enjoy the buffet. Yeah, but yeah, that, that, those, are, those are the hardest ones, I, I do think. So when, the, when the act is good, just you can just keep the end nice and short and sweet and you haven't got to yeah, feel like no, you've got to exactly. save the evening or something, which is all. No, and much, luckily, but... luckily for the, the line that we work for, mm the acts are first class so it's very yeah. very rare you know occasionally you'll get someone come on that they're sort of trialing for a first time and then in my in my end of void report i'll say well <laughs> it was a nice try <laughs> good to it try was... someone new let's get <laughs> no. doily back let's get doily back he'll be <laughs> yeah he's a dead set he's easy <laughs> yeah um so obviously as entertainment director it's probably one of the more diverse managers in the sort of senior management team in the smt because i mean mm. um as ENTS, as ENTS director, you've got a entertainment team, so that's the AED and all the ENTS staff as well that do that. You've got the youth team um, under your wing as well. You've also got um, the production team, so that's like the production manager, that's all, all of the black shirts, and as well as all of the, the dancers as well. And on top of that, you've got a full team of musicians and things to look after as well. Mm. Um, is, do you find it quite difficult to manage those individual people? Because they're all quite sort of specialised topics. I mean, you're... Um, you're per you're well versed in comes your your degree and things, but I mean, um, do you find like being a musical director or telling them what to do when you're not a musician yourself, you don't have that skill set? Do you find that difficult? Or do not you know really? the key to that? No, tell me. Delegation. Delegation. <laughs> Delegation. Having really good people heading each of those departments. So so I mean, as you say, the entertainment de department on our ships is split into four. And I have four incredible managers looking after those. So musical director looks after, obviously, all of the musicians. The youth director looks after all of the youth staff. The assistant entertainment director looks after the core entertainment team. And the production manager looks after the men in black, as you call them, yeah. all of the production <laughs> team and the show company as well. Yeah. So the show company have like 
a pastoral manager that sort of look after their welfare, but anything in terms of paperwork and, and disciplining and, and sort of signing off timesheets mm. falls under the production manager. Um, and so really, I do a, on a day-to-day basis, I do a lot less managing than I did when I was assistant entertainment director. Yeah. There, there are many more direct reports as assistant entertainment director mm-hmm. than there are as entertainment director and because I have to overview the whole department and I really have to sort of take a step back from managing individual people um but at the same time you always have to be there if someone yeah. has a problem my door as you know is yeah. always open I mean do you find that- um, but you really you re- you you rely on the experts that know what they're doing you know yeah. the stage breaks in the theater I don't know how to fix it. No. You have to trust the people that do to do their jobs. You, you know, if one of the musicians isn't playing up to scratch, I can tell. Yes. So I, I have a vaguely yeah. musical background, but I don't know in detail, sort of, you know, that they can't ever breach a B sharp or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to, I mean, I've, the fact that I couldn't even think of an example yeah, goes, could, is that I have no idea. A single note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so you have to rely on, on, those managers to manage yeah. each individual team so it's sort of mm. the, the, one of the biggest things that, that I was taught and was told about when I first became entertainment director was to visit each of the managers regularly and visit each of the departments regularly and I think the youth department especially is one that can feel quite neglected by managers yeah. because there's about on a limb obviously um you can't spend a lot of time in there. You can't go there when there are any kids in. Um, and it's sort of quite hard to make them feel encompassed in part of the department. So it's important to have sort of big departmental meetings um, and make sure that they come along, even if things aren't necessarily pertinent to the youth team, just so they know that they are part of sort of that bigger entertainment family. Um, but also to go into their spaces and, and make sure things are okay. So they know that you are an active presence in their lives yeah. and not just sort of like a mythical creature that they think that they have to report to every now and again. <laughs> but I've always loved dealing with people. It's my favorite thing about the job. Mm. I, I love getting to know people, getting to know the way they work and figuring out how to bring the absolute best out of them. I just find people fascinating and I find yeah. managing people fascinating. And I think if you can get that down, then the rest of it you can learn and the rest of it will just follow. Mm. I mean, I get that, um, like it, as I said before, like when you go out yourself and you host something, you get that feeling in your stomach and you get that feeling of, yes, I've succeeded whenever you, you yourself have done it on stage. Um, I get the same thing. If I've if someone's asked me something about one of their quiz questions or something like that, and then I've helped them out with it, and then they do it, and they get the right answer or they get the laugh out They're of like it, or whatever it is. Yeah, and whenever they get that, I feel just as happy as if I'd done it myself. Yeah. I mean, literally, it yeah. makes me so happy watching them, watching someone take your advice and actually succeed with it is great. When they fail with it, not so good. However. <laughs> <laughs> I did just not tell them to do that. that. I don't know. Just, 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 just not, oh, no, I, I don't never, know where they got that I, idea from, but it certainly was not me. <laughs> Good Lord, no. Um, <laughs> they are not cut out for this. Not at all. Not no, at all, but... I mean, I completely agree. It's it's wonderful. You know, it's wonderful to find a baby ant's host and nurture them. And um, especially on the World Voyage, where you sort of we have more shows, more local shows and easier shows to host to give people, some of the ants host the opportunity to host shows. Yeah. So I'll always 
once a week or, or once a fortnight, I'll always give an evening show to the assistant entertainment director because it's important that they have that yeah. regular contact with the stage so you can build on it. I think if you do a show every now and again, it's a great trial, but you don't have something that you can build on week after no. week to really sort of nurture your talents. But I do think it's important to get the Entos on a big theater stage. Oh yeah. Um, so they can see how it feels and they can sort of get a few under their belt. And of course, the more you do things, as we said earlier, the more comfortable you begin with, you become. But I love sort of taking them on stage in the afternoon, walking them through what they're gonna do, get them to practice to me. And that's so much more awkward for people yeah. than it is standing on stage in front of a huge room of people. They always say that it was so much easier to go on stage in the evening and talk to a thousand people than it was to go on stage in the afternoon and do it for me because <laughs> there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, and it's awkward when it's a one-on-one -on -one situation. Yeah, with anything that you do, really, not not only yeah. the fact that I'm their boss, but but sort of when there's a crowd in front of you, you can work with people, and when there's one person in front of you, it's just awkward. It is, um, it is but yeah. to sort of nurture them and encourage them and to show them what to do and then watch them in the evening out and doing <laughs> it for themselves and sort of seeing them backstage and the nerves and then going out on stage and nailing it is so great. Mm. I, it's just as great watching them come off stage as it is when I come off stage. So. Yeah. But having said that, it isn't all sunshine and rainbows. And you do have to be prepared to have some really difficult conversations. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. And and discipline people. And you know, the, the worst is when people are really trying, but they're just not good enough. Yeah. You know, if 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 it's an attitude problem or it's a behaviour problem, you know, it's quite easy to to mm. sit down and say, well, you know, come on, you're you're not pulling your weight, you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. But if somebody's trying really hard, but they they're just not quite getting it, I hate that because you yeah. just feel like you're breaking someone's dreams. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> but the, you, you you also have to be prepared to have these difficult You've got to be prepared to well. hear it as well. It's the same way from the other side. I mean, this is where I think I'm, this is what I'm quite looking forward to asking the dancers and things about to this a little bit as well, is the fact of obviously they audition loads and loads and loads and they get told no a lot, like mm. in, in their sort of, in their career and in their, in their span of their current lives or whatever it is, they will get told no a lot. You're not right for this, for this reason or whatever it is. Um, but... As an ENTS host, you've got to be prepared to hear the negatives as well, otherwise you'll never get any better. And it doesn't, even when you hear it the first time, you might not like hearing it then. So long as you listen to it an hour later and calm down, yeah. <laughs> then it's all, I mean, I, I, I mean, I suffered, I, I suffered from that a lot more before than I do now. <laughs> so well, like, I mean, it but, comes with maturity as well. Yeah. You know, I think when you're young, nobody wants to be told that, that what they're doing isn't the best you know you yeah. you think that it, it is something when you're older and you get a bit more mature it does get a lot easier to listen to feedback and you can kind of it's a lot easier to see other people's points of view as well i yeah. think you've got to be able to listen to constructive criticism and actually not and actually hear the word constructive before the criticism before you listen to it as opposed it's to my just, favorite thing when i come off stage and one of the one of the guests comes up to me and says uh, are you open to constructive criticism? And I'll no. say, hmm, <laughs> yes, I love constructive criticism. Please tell me what you hate about me. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it is very personal. I think this It is never what... turns out to be constructive no, at all. it is just criticism is all it is. Yeah. I mean, that is what I think a lot of guests sort of forget. I mean, when you sort of complain... They forget that you're a real human being with yeah. real feelings. Yeah, it, yeah, does, it does happen sometimes because obviously people because we're in a hotel environment they view everything as a service so mm. they even view what we do as a service but they forget that what 
we do is also is we're putting our personal selves out there each time that we do something it's if yeah. you want to be good at hosting a quiz you've got to be yourself and you've got to do that in the same way as you've got to do i've um, had i've had people say vile things to me really horrible yeah. things when i've come off stage about about what i've worn about sort of the way i wear my hair you know really nothing yeah. to do with anything to do with the job and and i always pride myself on my appearance you know yeah. and and you always get people that, that will turn around and say well i think you look lovely blah blah blah, blah. but i think when you put yourself in the public spotlight and you put yourself on stage you that's just what comes with it and it you have to grow a really it. thick skin yeah. because people do forget that that you're a person and that you have feelings and and they sort of see you as this this being that comes on stage every evening mm. um, i guess it's a bit like when you see somebody on tv and and you turn around to your mate and say oh you know she doesn't look as good as she did yesterday i get that all the time yeah. all the time <laughs> i really i much preferred what you were wearing yesterday Ugh. um but you sort of just so forget that but then you know you, you for every one person that criticizes you you'll have a hundred that will say lovely things but yeah. obviously it's that one person that you always remember yeah it's not always what they say it's how they say it as well it's <laughs> just sort of like mm. uh you don't like what I'm wearing. Have you seen the look of yourself? Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately... Oh, wouldn't it be so nice if you could do that? Glorious. But Sorry, let me introduce you to a mirror. <laughs> unfortunately, these aren't the sort of things that we... Because obviously, we, and that is the thing that obviously all of the entertainment's department realise when we're working there is we are working for a company. This isn't just, mm. this isn't just entertainment. This isn't just... Uh, being able to say what you want when you're live on air or doing an interview yeah. or whatever and being able to sort of really we all have in the back of our minds that we are providing uh we, well not well we are providing a service but we're also yeah no absolutely um, you are. but we're uh what am i trying to you, say you, well, you're, the, you're the face of the company you're representing yeah, exactly, that company you and, are. and yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know that they've paid a lot of money to be there and they want to oh, tell me they don't like my dress they can exactly, tell me they don't like my dress exactly exactly um so well, one of the things uh, just a bit of a side side topic here but um, one of the things that is uh, I, I was doing when i was making the list for these podcasts is i was making um, a list of people to interview sort of thing and i obviously wanted to make sure that i get the best out of these podcasts as well um but there's a there's a distinct lack of females and things that I can ask a lot, a lot of mm. women at sea and yeah. I know that's quite a quite a big thing at, at the moment and and rightly so obviously. Um, uh, well, I think it's it's a big thing in the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I know recently they've they've looked at a lot of huge companies and it, it, it's women sort of higher up I guess at sea in, in yeah. management roles um but but also in land as well and it's a huge thing that, that I think a lot of cruise companies are looking into but certainly ours mm. um and I think it's very important to have strong role models we've got a female captain who is an incredibly strong female role model um it's difficult at sea it's difficult because obviously it takes time to work your way up in a hierarchy um and you, as you, you, you're not going to employ someone straight off as an entertainment director. No. Maybe, you know, they might have been an entertainment director with another company, but they will have had to work their way up from somewhere. And, um, or, or, you know, less so in the hotel department, really, but especially sort of in the deck department and the technical department. You have very, very few women in managerial positions. But life at sea is challenging. And yeah. as a woman, at some stage, you're going to have to choose between having a family and having a career at sea. Yeah. And there are people that can do it. You know, there are there are women that work at sea and have children at home. But I think a lot of people, mm. A, don't want to or, or couldn't sort of imagine doing that. Yeah. So 
there is there does come a time where you have to make a choice and i I very much have that in my head at the moment that i think at some stage soon i'm gonna have to choose between continuing in my career and i'm lucky the fact that i started so young and worked my way up relatively quickly i've been entertainment director now for three or four years and um and that is my career progression you know i i could go to hotel manager if i wanted to that technically is the next step and it's something that i had considered but it's a very different job it's not sort of if you move up from hotel operations and retail manager or if you move up from food and beverage manager it's it's sort of it's a very similar job to what you're already doing but obviously managing more and more responsibility but from my role it's completely different sort of my, my role although there's a lot of managerial aspects of it and a lot of paperwork aspects of it there's also a lot of showman aspects of it which sort of would completely go from from my role so i think i'm lucky that i'm in a position where i've got as far as i can go and so if i do decide to to make the cut and sort of focus on having a a family then then it's okay but unfortunately that's not the case for so many other people Mm. so i think it's great nowadays that we're seeing so many more women come through the last ship i was on two of the third officers on the bridge were women. There were three female cadets hmm. that were coming through the ranks. A lot more female cadets um, coming through, actually. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot. Loads more, loads more. And I've seen more, a few more female engine cadets. And the third, really? officer, the, two, 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 the two third engineering officers on the last ship I was on were both women. Really? I don't um, think I've seen yeah. any women in, in engineering yet. I mean, yeah. I, I, not that... I know that might sound very strange to people that don't work at sea or send that it might sound awful, but obviously... Even if you just look at the percentage of people that have have got engineering degrees and got these engineering qualifications, it seems to be something that has been taken up a lot more by by men than by yeah. women. So, one hundred percent, which is 100%. which is just the way things are. It's not a criticism of the system. It's just when people no, and also what to it's do. it's cruising reflecting society as well because yeah. a lot of you know generally there are many many more male engineers than there are female engineers anyway. But luckily. Yeah times are changing and and the sort of the balance is is swaying somewhat so i think it's 100 percent going in the right direction um but life at sea as i said is a choice whereas life on land isn't you can you can be an engineer in a company in the uk for example have your children at home and you can live sort of a regular lifestyle but you cannot do that when you're at sea so yeah no i think it is um it's important and the company are working really hard, actually, at the moment to encourage female employment and, and female promotions. But I think mm. um, you have to have the people there that want to do it in order to put them in those positions. You know? I mean, that family dynamic um, of working at home, uh, sort of working at sea and having a family at home is very, very difficult. I mean, there's there's a couple of couples um, on board, um, even sort of in certain departments, where one of them will come on board. Um, and then the other one will stay at home and look after the kid. And then after four months, mm. the other one will come at sea, and the other one doing the same job. Are doing the doing yeah. the same job, or and you, eat... and you never get to see each other. Yeah, you know, exactly. You spend half your time at home with a child, but you never ever get to see your husband. So they or won't wife, see each other for years and years, but the, it, literally for years. Mm. Um, but you know, the, the kids will at least have always have at least one parent at home, and it's mm. it's not it's not an easy thing to decide. And having having a it's, it's more... No, and sometimes it's a monetary issue. You know, there's a, a lot of people that sort of can offer their families a much better lifestyle if they mm. go home. And I know, I know people, a, a lot of the Filipino women 
will leave, will go home and have children and leave them at home with their parents and come back to work yeah. at sea because they know that they can provide so much more. Exactly. From a year working at sea than they could for 10 years working in the Philippines. But mm. it's, um, it, it, you know, it, it's it's an individual choice that each person makes, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it is good to see when you do, do need sort of a few more women at sea and things. But I think pretty much in, in our company, I think every single department has got... Um, or could have a woman in charge of it, I think, every single mm. department, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think, think there's any got... engineers that are quite high enough yet, but no. soon enough there will be. And I think the other thing as well is sort of in yesteryear, any job at sea was very much seen as an old boys club. And, you know, yeah. sailor's language and, and sort of... Yeah. I'm I'm sure there was a lot of misogyny at sea, as there was in the world everywhere. But now, you know, you, you just couldn't do it you can't get away with it sort of the the hr on board and and the respect that people have for each other on ships these days is so much better that i think it's much easier i'm not saying it's it's as easy as a woman as it is as a man as with any role but it's much much easier i think than it has been in the past Mm, it's good to see improvements are actually being made and think Mm. avenues are being opened up and as as we said the amount of uh amount of female deck cadets is is that that's increased a lot, mm. uh, which is which mm. is always good to see. Always good to For see. For sure. Um, so as I suppose we'll, I'll do one more question. I think one more question. So as an entertainment director, um, what has been your most memorable moment? Finish on something <laughs> nice and light. I think so. The, um, so the most memorable moment. moment. Um, if you have to think about you it, you want to have memorable. a really good, um, <laughs> like I interviewed someone great or I did something amazing, don't you? My most memorable well, moment as entertainment director was when I got my shoe stuck on stage and fell on my bum. <laughs> in fact, two times what, I've got my shoe stuck on between, stage. In between the oh, rotation thing. Yeah, so, so uh, I'll never wear stilettos on stage again. And there's only one, there's only one stage in the fleet that this is a problem, but for, for sort of any non theatrical folks there are things on a stage called seraped tracks which are basically sort of strips of gap in a stage where you can uh, operate staging coming in and out of so you yeah. sort of slip something onto it so basically it's, it's just sort of a, ne- a narrow strip on a stage that is a gap which happens to be just about the same width as my <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I did it I got my shoe stuck while I was walking off and um, and I just stepped out of my shoe and then I carried on walking off <laughs> with one shoe on <laughs> and then I left the stage and I said to the stage manager, could you just nip on and get my shoe for me? <laughs> um, which was embarrassing enough, but I think at least maybe some of the audience might not have realized. Yeah. But the second time I did it, I knew that my shoe was stuck while I was talking. So I was oh, doing right. my, sort of, <laughs> my my like closing speech at the end of the show. And I just kept talking because I was trying to get my foot out. And I was thinking, until my foot is free, I'm just going to have to I'm here. <laughs> so I was rambling. Like There must have been so many things that were coming out of my mouth. It was not relevant to anything I was saying. <laughs> and it, but and I wasn't even really concentrating on what I was saying because all I was thinking about was that my shoe was caught in the bloody stage. Um, <sighs> but in the end, I thought I had got it free, so I like gave quite a good yank to walk away. But I hadn't got it free, and I I really went. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... um, so they're probably my most memorable yeah. moments. But I have had also some great memorable moments. I mean, a lot of which we've covered. But you yeah. know. I, I just have absolutely adored my life at sea and uh, looking forward 
Hopefully to many more years. Indeed. To getting back there. Yeah. <laughs> we miss we it very need much. need a vaccine. Indeed. Indeed. On its yeah. way. As far as I've been told. But I've been told a lot of things. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Who are you but talking to? Every, just myself in general there, I think. You've got a direct line to Bojo, have you? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, thank you very much, Kat. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. I've loved it. It's Got been it. a pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much to everyone that's been listening as well. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here and hopefully you've enjoyed this one. Um, please stay tuned. We'll be having some more of these a little bit later on. We'll find some more departments and things and we'll be able to hear their lives and see and their interpretations. So whether you're listening to this as a little bit of an idea of what to expect, um, you can pretty much rule it out because it'll be different by the time we get back. But if you <laughs> if you want to hear some bits and pieces, thank you very much. And once again, thank you very much, Kat. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Ciao. Bye-bye. And we're clear.